0: Welcome to Fight Back Radio, the Marxist voice of labor and youth in Canada, and the best source for a revolutionary analysis of current events, perspectives, and theory. The capitalist system, both at home and abroad, has entered the deepest crisis in its history, and each day brings yet more evidence of the complete impasse of the status quo. In this talk, Julian Arstone, editor of La Post Socialiste, discusses why we need a revolution.
1: Uh, The event, as you probably know, is called Capitalism Has Failed, Join the Revolution. And and I assume that if you're here tonight, you most likely agree with at least the first part of the the title. And I don't think I need to convince you much about being against capitalism. And really, we we don't need to look very far to, uh, to see the abject failure of the capitalist system. And I think the pandemic has shown that very clearly in the eyes of a lot and a lot of people. And if you wanna sum up what capitalism is, uh, you could sum it up with this very simple idea that capitalism is profit before people and never was it clearer than in this year and a half of pandemic. And we know that viruses like the coronavirus are somewhat inevitable, but the pandemic itself, that was not inevitable. But everywhere what we saw was that profits came first and the virus was allowed to spread all across the world. It took too long to lock down. Reopening the economy was always too quick. Non-essential businesses were allowed to remain open for profits to flow and the governments all over the world uh, put all in place so businesses could uh, suffer the least possible from the pandemic and their related measures. And we saw that the pandemic hit, uh, hit all the weak points of capitalism starting with the nursing homes, actually. Uh, I don't know if you saw this week in Quebec, there's this, um, these public audiences, a public inquiry about the deaths in a specific nursing home called the, the CHSLD, Heron. and truly really, the, the, the testimonies are infuriating, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy what they're describing, they were underfunded, already neglected by the owners way before the pandemic, there was understaffing, lack of services, elderly people just left in their problems, without any staff coming with them. And that was all before the pandemic. And the pandemic is all that was needed to push the whole nursing home system over the edge, killing thousands of elderly people, which could have been with us longer. And you know, you, you hear sometimes that you can judge a society based on how they treat the elderly. And I think from that point of view, capitalism stands condemned forever. But it's not just the, the elderly people. Look at the youth, people like, like you and me. Uh, We we don't have it much better, and already before COVID, you already had statistics year after year that showed that people our age somewhere in their 20s, maybe some people are in their 30s, uh, you know, were the the, the poorest generation were poorer than their own parents for the first time since World War II. And actually in the UK, I found stats that says um, people age under 30 in the United Kingdom are four times less likely than their parents to own a house. And obviously it's very similar in Canada. Owning a house is, is frankly a dream for most of us, an unachievable dream. And you know the youth, they, they made us pay thousands of dollars for Zoom classes for a whole year. Uh, and you, you see good jobs disappear, disappearing right before our eyes. And you see all sorts of polls that show that the youth is questioning the system and coming to radical conclusions. There was a poll that uh, they polled the 18 to 34 year olds in many countries And they asked them if they agreed with the statement, I feel like things in my country are out of control. And in Spain, the US and the UK was 80% agreed with that. And in Canada, it's 60%. And you see the crisis of mental health, obviously, affecting a whole layer of youth, but also the working class in general. And there was a study that said that in Canada, 80% of workers reported a worsening mental health through the pandemic. And really the pandemic has made everything about capitalism that was already bad it made it worse and the first victims were working class people but in particular women racialized people and the poor in general but in the meantime at the other end of society they've never had it easier we gotta admit look at them they're going in space (laughs) you have this absurd race the space between jeff bezos elon musk engage in a space race while life on earth is less and less uh, uh, when earth itself is less and less habitable and I don't think historians of the future will look at these people very fondly, just arrogantly showing all the cash they have while society is ravaged by a pandemic. And um, and you, you saw just in general, the billionaires have made a killing in the pandemic. There was this, um, I don't know if you saw uh, in, back in January, there was two headlines in the same paper. called You probably don't see it. But it doesn't matter. Uh, you might have seen the headline. It said, uh, Workers lost 3.7 trillion in earnings during the pandemic. Women and Gen Z saw the biggest losses. And the, the, the following day in the same newspaper said billionaires made 3.9 trillion during the pandemic. So it's almost a direct uh, <laughs> difference of what the workers lost and what the billionaires won. Uh, and uh, in Canada, actually, specifically, the billionaires made 78 billions since the st- in the first year of the pandemic. And these people were greatly helped by their friends in government. I don't know if you saw in Canada this thing called the wage subsidy. It's a wage subsidy, (laughs) quote unquote. Actually, what the the, the companies do is they claim the wage subsidy, and it goes directly in the pockets of the CEOs and the people owning shares. Actually, I've heard a comrade tell me they were applying for jobs, and the jobs are just there so the companies can claim the wage subsidy, and they don't hire people. So you have all these scams of how companies use public money to just pocket this money while we are suffering. And this is what the system has to offer. And, and I, I, could, I could go on, but I mean, frankly, we would be here until 1 a.m. if we just listed all the problems of capitalism. But all this is, I think you'll agree, is fueling a burning sense of injustice, a sense that none of this should happen and an urgency to do something about it and to get organized to change the world. And uh, yeah, I won't continue listing all the ills of the system, But I'll say that it's not enough to just complain about what's going on. And I think, again, I'll say most people here probably agree that capitalism is not working. But the the question is is also what to do about it. What can be done and what is the solution? You know, imagine going to the doctor and you're in physical pain. You describe the pain and the doctor says, oh, so sorry, I've had that before. What can you do? No, (laughs) we want solutions. We want actual actual plans of what can be done about the problems of capitalism. It's the same thing. Uh, so we need an explanation and we need ideas that show a way forward out of this system. Now, uh, we at Fiveback uh, were were Marxists and we don't hide it, quite the contrary. Uh, and we believe that the ideas of Marxism, they have stood the test of time. And they, they can explain what's going on, why capitalism has failed us and what can be done about it. And really at first glance, you look at capitalism and you think that society has gone mad. You see, social services, healthcare were defunded decades before the pandemic. You see, growing inequalities that are not addressed, wages that have stagnated, profits at a record level, and I start to think, why, why is this? Why is this? Why is this madness going on? But we'll uh, say that it, it is madness. But there's a method in it. It works that way for a reason, and I think the ideas of Marxism can explain why that is. Um, And the capitalist system is not failing the youth and the workers and the oppressed because capitalists are mean or have ill intentions, although many of them are mean people. (laughs) And anybody who's working a job will know that. Uh, But the, the capitalism system is failing because of the way it inherently works, because of the laws of the system itself, the inherent contradictions in capitalism, in the capitalist economy, which are creating this mess that we are in. And these laws of capitalism were explained quite well by by Karl Marx in his days. And, you know, the system has changed, (laughs) a lot has changed, but I I believe these ideas can explain what is going on. And one of the things, uh, I'll have to make a little detour, go into economics a bit here, because I think that explains a lot of what's going on. Uh, And Marx explained back in his days that uh, at the root of the capitalist system and uh, at the root of economic crises you have a fundamental contradiction in the system, which is what is called overproduction. Um, This comes from the fact that under capitalism, the majority of us will become workers or are already workers, and working class people produce everything around us, Uh, everything is done with their work, builds the buildings around us, the consumer items we need, distributes the goods and services, and based off their work, well, the capitalists, the CEOs, the bankers pocket a profit off these people. Uh, and Marx's analysis shows that profit ultimately comes from the unpaid labor of working class people. And, and you, you actually see stats that can like kind of show that, actually. Like in Canada in 2017, the working, worker productivity on average was $51 an hour. Who is paid $51 an hour? <laughs> Most working class people are paid under that. And everybody knows that. And a huge part is taken by the capitalists in the form of profit. And you actually see a trend in the past 40, 50 years, in in particular in the Western countries, but all over the world. But the stats I have is from the US, you had a rise of productivity of almost 70% since 1979. But meanwhile, the hourly wage have increased 11%. What does that mean? You are much more exploited for less money. This is what we see under capitalism. Uh, But then, if the capitalists take part of the unpaid labor of workers in the form of profit, this means that as a whole, the working class, which is the main consumer class, the people that consume what's around us, cannot buy back what is produced. So you have this contradiction that more is produced that the market can absorb. And this is the phenomenon of overproduction that Marx described actually very early in the Communist Manifesto, one of his first uh, key works, I'd say and you know this this is a fundamental contradiction that capitalism cannot overcome and this this situation of overproduction of more commodities on the market that can be absorbed is at the root, root of economic crises that we see in the world and you actually it, it helps to explain quite a lot of what's going on uh you know the, you see actually a rise in speculation the rise of the price of housing the financial sector and the actual lack of investment in real, in the real economy, <laughs> actually most of the growth you see is, is housing and, and finance. But why is that? But well, put yourself in the shoes of a capitalist. Not a fun experience, but think about it. What would you do with your your money if there's already too much commodities on the market? Would you build new factories, produce more? No, you invest your money in speculation, in <laughs> you know, playing um, on the, the stock, stock market, stock exchange. There you go. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah, th- that's what you do with your money instead of, you know, investing in real things. And, you know, so you see the opposite. Capitalists slow down production, close factories, creating unemployment. Uh, but what happens when there's are unemployment? There's more workers that cannot consume. So this just it, it, it exacerbates the crisis of overproduction. And there's a fierce competition between capitalists to cut costs, to lower wages, to replace workers by machine, to be more competitive again and again, making workers less able to consume on the market. And there's obviously, you know, uh, they'll give us credit cards (laughs) to consume, but, you know, credit cards, it's buying stuff with money you don't have, and eventually you need to pay. And if you see that uh, uh, on on a big scale, on the scale of the whole economy, you'll see that many, many people get indebted and can never pay. And it's just postponing the problem of overproduction. So again and again, this is one of the main economic contradictions of the system the consumption of working class people is limited by a whole host of factors but we keep producing as if there was no limits so we see all these crises coming again and again and I took this big detour towards economics because yes I think it explains a lot of what's going on and you see actually I don't know if you saw the numbers but in Canada I think another sign of this phenomena, of this phenomenon is actually billionaires are sitting on a pile of cash that you can't even imagine it's now they have 1.5 trillion of what we call dead money. I don't know if you know that concept. It's basically money sitting idle in bank accounts of rich people that they don't invest. And imagine what you can do with that. Fun healthcare, nursing homes, free education, but it's just sitting there doing nothing. Uh, And you know this this is the situation and and I believe that you know this is inherent to capitalism and no amount of reforming or trying to reform the system can do away with these problems. But this brings me to, to a question that is not unimportant. You know, capitalism has failed and many, many people agree with that. But can, can the system be reformed? Can we actually do something to make it less bad? Uh, well, I think history mm-hmm. has shown many times that in the long run, this, this cannot be done. And, and again and again, it goes back to the way the system functions. You know, again, I said, in capitalism, profits come first. This is the thing that big business, the CEOs, think about. Um, And uh, all economies, all countries, need to make sure that the capitalists will invest, will create jobs in their countries. And I'm sure you've heard the argument before. You know, we need to create an environment where capitalists will want to invest. So we can't tax them too much. We can't have too much social programs for them to pay for, uh, you know, because we'll scare them away. They'll leave. I'm sure you've heard that right-wing argument in the past. We can 't tax the rich it will scare them away they'll put the money in tax haven but I got I got say <laughs> there's an element of truth in that right wing argument uh, because it's true that the capitalists do not want to pay taxes it's true that they will put pressure to have lower wages, lower social programs and all the rest of it uh, because yeah it's not good for business <laughs> to put high taxes on the capitalists so um so, you know, the, the, there is kind of this race to the bottom that you see between states of being, you know, more business friendly. And you see that all the time, and the right wing argues that. Um, but it's true to a certain extent that this is the way it works. And actually, you see left wing governments or left wing parties that try to argue against this. That's the case, for example, in, in Canada. Well, that's uh, what the NDP is trying to say. Um, you know, that you need to tax the rich, that's kind of one of their big camping thing. Uh, Quebec Solidaire, which is the main left wing party in Quebec is also arguing something. They kind of say, you know, we only need the courage to attack these people. The CAC government, they, they don't have the courage to stand up to big business. And we'll, we will do it. Um, well, unfortunately, I think history has shown many times that uh, the capitalists will not let that happen. And, and you see, the, the, maybe that can come up in the discussion if uh, people have questions or examples, but uh, there's a load of examples of left-wing governments that uh, have failed to do that. You actually had the, the most recent, in my opinion, was not even a government it was actually i don't know if you follow what's been happening in the uk over the past few years but you had this, this left-wing surge in the labor party around jeremy corbyn who was like this self-proclaimed socialist you know pledging to, to tax the rich to renationalize a, a bunch of things and actually there was an election in the uk right before the pandemic in december 2019 and the conservatives won but but corbyn was the contender and you 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 could already see there was an article in the Guardian. it showed that the rich Ah, is this working? Is this better? Okay, Uh, is it worth it for me to use this? Okay, (laughs) okay. Uh, Yeah, so I was saying, um, yeah, Jeremy Corbyn in Britain, uh, uh, on the eve of the election, the rich had already done their paperwork to funnel their money in tax heaven. They had already done it because Corbyn had pledged to tax everyone that that had at least 125,000 in their bank accounts. So they were already prepared to leave. And this is what you see because under capitalism, they control the economy and they can do that because we don't, we can't control what we don't own. And when the, when the left wingers, left wing governments attempt to tax the rich, attempt to make the capitalists pay, they they do find ways to to circumvent this. And I think history has shown this more than once. Um, And there's many examples of this fact, and it's not just economic reasons, actually. Uh, that the capitalists do that. It's also for political reason, because imagine a left-wing government succeeding in taxing the rich. What does that send as a message to other working class people in other countries? We can do the same, we can ask the same, and they don't want that. So they are waging a class struggle against working class people. And we should be aware of that fact. fact. And I think to to, to come back to today, we're really in a crisis like, like no other, like nothing we've seen. And to avoid a complete economic collapse, you saw all the governments around the world uh, throw billions of dollars into the economy, uh, public money. uh, And most of it actually ended up in the pockets of the rich. You know, in Canada, they make this whole big deal about, oh, CRB, all these lazy workers taking our money. You know, the the most money in Canada ended up through the wage subsidy in the pockets of the rich. You, you You can look it up. CERB is a very small amount of money that went to ordinary people. Uh, But who's gonna pay for all the massive debts that have been accumulated uh, over the past year and a half? Well, you better be sure that the capitalist governments will try to make us pay uh, to implement austerity measures, to cut social programs. Imagine after the disaster in nursing homes and healthcare, they'll try to cut it. Uh, And this is preparing the ground, in my opinion, for a massive struggle of working class people, of youth against the governments and austerity and against capitalism in general. And really, this brings a question, why would we let the economy in the hands of these people? Like seriously, why? There's no reason. (laughs) Uh, If capitalism is unable to solve our needs, well, it's the system that has to go. It's not us that needs to get used to this system. And if capitalism cannot be reformed, well, this leaves the path of revolution to achieve this. And this actually brings me to the the second idea reflected in, in the title of today's event, the idea of revolution. Well, we Marxists are not, uh, you know, romanticizing revolution. We don't fight for a revolution because it's nice or it makes nice photos <laughs> or nice paintings uh, or because it's cool. Uh, and in fact, actually, it is not at all under our control if revolutions happen or not. I actually, fight back could dissolve tomorrow morning and I believe there will be revolutions. It doesn't depend on revolutionaries. It's not, generally speaking, it's not revolutionaries and socialists that bring about revolutions. It's the capitalist system itself that creates conditions that force millions of people to enter the path of revolution, to revolt, to, to rise up against this system. And look around the world. Uh, look around us. What can we expect? We have rising poverty, rising inequalities. You have millions of people witnessing the continued oppression of black people, of LGBTQ people, indigenous people. Uh, you have a, a generation that is deprived of a future and uh, the pandemic is far from controlled and people will remember how the rich were laughing in their face during the pandemic and these conditions are what is creating revolution it's not necessarily the work of revolutionaries it's capitalism itself actually making the greatest arguments against the system And it's the pressures of the system that bring about revolutions but the question is what actually is a revolution what what is it well, generally speaking, I'd say that a revolution is when masses of ordinary people want to take control of their lives. And when you think about it, and most of the time, uh, you, you, you can say, you know, politics is not done by people, it's done to people. Politics is like a minority of rich, of politicians that take the decisions. And, and we vote every, every two years or every four years or every year in the US, that's <laughs> it's a constant cycle of election but we don't take the decisions. Well, a revolution changes that. It's millions of people attempting to take control of society. That's what a revolution is. Uh, And it is something that is already happening. Actually, before the pandemic, I don't know if you remember, it feels like it was uh, years ago, but you had uh, the fall of 2019. There was a bunch of revolutions all over the world. You had a revolution in Ecuador after they attempted to put in austerity in that country. You had a general strike in Colombia and you had another one a few months ago, actually, and you had a mass movement in Chile. You had a a massive revolution in Lebanon where they overthrew the government over austerity measures, I believe. And these revolutions were not the work of of socialists. They were outbursts of anger of working class people and the poor attempting to take control of their lives. And um, you saw with the pandemic at the beginning, you know, people kept, the, kept their heads down. It was kind of a lull in the class struggle in demos and strikes and all that. But soon enough, you saw this process resume uh, in many countries of the world. And we'll start with the obvious one. Look at what happened in the United States last year. You now, many people say the U.S. is like a bastion of reaction. We can never expect a revolution in the U.S. Uh, you can't seriously expect that workers are racist. Are comfortable and all the rest of it now look look at what happened look at what happened in the last year you had the biggest revolt against racism and police brutality in u.s history millions of people actually it was 10 percent of the population is estimated to have participated in blm demonstration and not just black people latinos white people young people and, and working class people also participated in these movements you had spontaneous committees in cities like minneapolis seattle people trying to take control uh, and a big outburst of anger. And it wasn't just George Floyd, although that was, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. This horrific murder on camera it was like, it, it was kind of this anger that had been accumulating for years, for decades, burst out for months in the US and around the world, actually. Um, and uh, actually you remember maybe, uh, or I hope you remember that they, they burned down the, the Minneapolis police precinct at the beginning of this movement. And this to me is the most astounding thing of this movement. 50, there was a poll that showed that 54% of Americans thought it was justified. Can you imagine this? In the US, this is, this is an act of insurrection uh, supported by the majority of the population. This is astounding. Um, and this movement had repercussions all around the world. And, uh, you know, th- this is a glimpse of what is to come. And you see that in other countries. I, I just mentioned Colombia. There was a general strike there a few months ago. There's a revolution that's been going on since February in Myanmar. There's a bunch of countries where the class struggle and revolutions is on the agenda. And this is, what, this is the picture that is emerging in all countries of the world. And I think we can only expect this to continue. It's not like revolution is a choice. Oh, I prefer reform <laughs> than revolution. Revolutions are happening and they will happen um, because it's capitalism itself that creates this. Uh, but capitalism, I've mentioned the working class quite a few times. I think this is also an important point That capitalism, Marx explained, has created its grave diggers, created the people, the men and women, that can actually bring the system down. And this is working class people. As I said, people that build the buildings, uh, produce the the items that we need, the goods and services, the people that provided healthcare and education, all these essential people that suddenly the capitalists discovered that workers were important. (laughs) Well, these are the people that can change the world. And this Class of people is the overwhelming majority of society and Marx explained that this class can organize uh, to overcome the resistance of the bosses and establish a new society, a socialist society. And this is what we fight for today with fight back Uh, and this can be done, it can be done to overthrow capitalism. And there's all the reasons, there's many reasons to be optimistic about the prospects of changing the world today. Now let's just look around. I'm sure maybe you're one of them here or you know someone like this was like, oh yeah, I wasn't really radical before the pandemic. I was a liberal, but COVID happened. There's millions of people like that that are opening their eyes to to the problems of capitalism and wanna fight back, want the solution. And this is especially the case again with young people. And I I have another stat here that I find quite interesting. Um, and, And it's about, you know you have all these movements around racism, LGBTQ oppression, the climate crisis and this is a very interesting uh, poll it, it was done again in the uk uh, that showed that wait a minute yeah 70 percent of young people in the uk explicitly blame the climate crisis and racism on capitalism so there's not only people rising up against climate change against racism but seeing that the capitalist system maintains these problems and and makes them even worse and this this is this is crazy when you think about it and it's actually uh, 67% of respondents, also young people, th- that answered that they would prefer to live under a socialist system. And this is despite decades of red scare, in particular in the West. Uh, and people are looking for alternatives. And this is what is on the horizon. And you know, we can bring it back home, Canada. <laughs> Canada, quite a sleepy country many times. This nice and beautiful country, they say. Um, but this radicalization will happen and is happening in Canada. There was actually a poll um, published a few, a few days ago, actually, that showed that 35% of uh, Canadians support moving away from capitalism. And it's higher amongst the youth and women in particular, where it's over 40%. And it's more that people, there's like, you know, people that don't know or not sure. And the people that oppose this statement are 25%. And this is a, a very encouraging poll uh, from our point of view. But I think in terms of the change of public opinion, the change the, the radicalization of the youth and workers in Canada and the awakening to the problems, I think nowhere is a clearer than on the indigenous question. Indigenous racism is, is permeating Canadian society and has always, it's always been that way. But you're, you are seeing, I, I believe we're seeing a massive change in public opinion around these, these disgusting graves that they found week after week. There was actually a poll that said, That 68% of Canadians agree that residential schools created issues that still require government response today. Uh, 68% strongly or somewhat agree that Canadians have a duty to resolve inequalities faced by Indigenous peoples, which is an 11% increase since 2019. And I could go on, but uh, I'll leave time for the discussion. But there's a lot of people realizing the problems of this system. And, and this, is, this is preparing massive change, also in a sleepy country like Canada. And I think the future is bright for a united struggle against oppression and the capitalist system. And I'd say that there's never been a better time than today to fight this system. And if you aren't convinced by, by what I say, you know, uh, it's one thing to hear it from a, a socialist, but look at, what the, look at what the rich say. This is actually very interesting. <laughs> uh, look, take a look at what the capitalists think is coming. I apologize in advance because I'll quote, and it's a bit of a long one, but I think it's worth it. It's from the Financial Times, which is uh, yeah, a British newspaper. And in many ways, you can see it as like an internal bulletin of the rich. You know, they don't think people like us read it. You know, some of us do, uh, but they, they write for rich people and, and capitalists, and they talk frankly to their friends. And here's what they're saying. Listen to this. Um, apologize for the long quote. It says, groups left behind by economic change are increasingly concluding that those in charge do not care about their predicament, or worse have rigged the economy for their own benefit against those on the margin. And the quote continues, slowly but surely, that is putting capitalism and democracy in tension with each other. Since the global financial crisis, this sense of betrayal has fueled a political backlash against globalization and the institutions of liberal democracy. The best part is coming. It says right wing populism may thrive on this backlash while leaving capitalist markets in place. But as it cannot deliver on its promises to the economically frustrated, it is just a matter of time before the pitchforks come out for capitalism itself and for the wealth of those who benefit from it. So this is straight from the horse's mouth. (laughs) They know what's coming. They know, you know, they thought right wing populists may for a time benefit from this. And you see that with Trump, Marine Le Pen and others but I say sooner or later, workers will come for the capitalists themselves. And yeah, this, this is, they, they see the writing on the wall. And I think we should realize that that's what's coming as well. We have this period of crisis, political, social, economic, and massive layers radicalizing to the left and an enormous potential. But the, que- the, the real question is, what is missing in this picture? What, what is actually missing to overthrow capitalism? I would say that the main organizations of the working class and the youth, the trade unions, the left-wing parties, uh, the labor parties are led by people who believe in capitalism, who believe it can be reformed. These are the people leading strikes, leading the mass movements, getting elected on left-wing platforms. They they don't believe in socialism. They don't believe in the power of working class people to change society. Um, So more and more, you have people moving left entering into mass movements wanting revolutions uh, and this there's an enormous potential, but it's blocked by people that do not want to to lead the fight. So it's not enough to have mass movements, you have these mass movements, you, you, you have them all the time, but the people leading them are leading them in a blind alley. And this is the problem. So it's not enough to have a mass movement and to have a bunch of people here and there realizing, oh, yeah, socialism, that's a good idea. You actually need people arguing for socialism and organizing to make these ideas known to the working class and to the youth. Uh, And what is socialism? Good question. Uh, That's another point we could discuss. In my opinion, it's very simple. We at Fightback believe that socialism is the working class people taking over the economy, taking over the big companies, uh, nationalizing the banks, the big companies that rule our lives, and to democratically run them for the benefit of the people instead of the profits of the few to have an economic plan to satisfy the needs of people, you know, liberate this one and a half trillion of dollars that is sitting idle and invest in our communities invest in healthcare, control this wealth, control the companies, uh, to have working class people making the decisions, organizing committees in neighborhoods, whatever you like. This is what a socialist society, uh, this is what we strive for. And I'm convinced we would do a better job than the capitalists. Can can we do any worse? Look at what they did in in healthcare, in education. And actually, there's a bunch of examples of managers not able to manage nursing homes. And the actual workers, they know what to do, but they can't do it. They're not the ones deciding. We believe socialism is putting power in the hands of working class people. This is what we we fight for. Uh, But the question is, yeah, how do we get there? I believe. You know, this, is, this won't come alone. I've heard that before. Oh, Mar- uh, Marx believed that capital- uh, socialism was inevitable. Uh, communism is inevitable. I'd say yes and no. <laughs> Society is moving in that direction, but we need to fight consciously to bring it about. It, we need actual people convincing their peers, convincing their colleagues, convincing fellow students, people that study Marxism and can explain it to others, can you know, analyze current events uh, with a Marxist analysis. Okay, I'll I'll try to speak up a bit. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, we need a group consciously working to convince our colleagues of these ideas that can play a role when these mass movements happen uh, and lead the workers to actually overthrowing capitalism in our lifetime. And this can be done. And you only need to look at the pessimism of the bourgeois to convince yourself about this. And this is what we fight for with Fight Back. And again, uh, I apologize to annoy you again with the Financial Times but it's funny because their, their pessimism is, is it's making us thrive, in my opinion. <laughs> and they, 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 they went, now you go on their website and they say, they say this thing, we believe in capitalism, but the model is under strain. We need to reform in order to preserve. If you think the same, join us. Well, the first thing that's funny about this is they need to justify that they believe in capitalism. They got to that point, <laughs> but they know that the system is under strain and they're organizing to reform the system. The question is, are we organizing to overthrow the system? That's the question. And uh, I'll say that, you know, many of you are maybe convinced socialists already, and maybe you're like, okay, I I already agree with all of this. But individual socialists can do very little. As an individual, we cannot do anything. But part of a larger group, part of a whole that is bigger than yourself, we can achieve a lot more than we can as individual socialists. Um, And I'll end with an anecdote, actually, that I find incredibly inspiring and I think should really, uh, it's a spirit we need to convey among young people at McGill, at Concordia, in society in general, among working class people. It's an anecdote about Lenin. Lenin was one of the main leaders of the Russian Revolution uh, of 1917 and when he was in university actually, he was 17, yeah that's young to be in university, but he he organized an assembly and got arrested Uh, and uh, the policeman kind of escorted him, brought brought him to the prison. And he asked him, why are you causing trouble, young man? You are breaking your head against a wall. And Lenin answered, the wall is rotten. One good shove and it will collapse. And this is what we have in front of us. Capitalism is a wall preventing us from moving forward, but the wall is weak. And if we organize, we can bring it down. So we need to organize, build a socialist organization And I urge you to to make the decision to join this fight with Fight Back.
0: Thank you for listening to Fight Back Radio. Fight Back is a revolutionary organization fighting for the socialist transformation of society. We are the Canadian section of the international Marxist tendency. We actively seek to educate workers and youth in the genuine ideas of Marxism in order to fight back against capitalist attacks and austerity and bring an end to capitalism. However, we won't be able to do this on our own. So if you agree with us, get involved. We can be found online at marxist.ca, on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at CanadaMarxists, on Instagram at SocialistFightBack, and on YouTube as Fightback FightBackLaRiposte. For international news and analysis, check out In Defense of Marxism at marxist.com. The music in this episode was General Strike by Soul Jazz Orchestra. They can be found at souljazzorchestra.com.